the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's right, baby. Slap and tickle, Chicago Drive Time Radio, where we get the most important, high-minded, best people to interview, and we make them listen to Eminem. Or no, what's his name? Yeah, it's him. And I got to tell you, I watched just a little bit of the inquiry today, and the part that I saw didn't look good. And then I logged on to Drudge Report, and it looks terrible. Ambassador drops bombs, followed the president's orders. Giuliani pushed the quid pro quo. Now, yesterday I said I thought that this was going to be the best publicly funded bipartisan campaign fundraiser that the world has ever seen. Starting to get a little nervous, especially when you factor in we've got the socialists debating today. So I pulled in David Drucker, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, all-around brilliant guy. David. Should I pick out my socialist Star Trek uniform now, or what are we doing here? <laughs> well, I wouldn't get too concerned. The socialists might be receding just a bit for the liberals. So maybe you should pick out your liberal Star Trek uniform. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm so torn because I did, I did listen to that Maloney, that Rep Maloney, just grill the ambassador. And I did hear the ambassador kind of admit that it appeared to be a quid pro quo. I mean, what, what do you forecast here? Well, look, I, I tend to think that we're going to... Well, first of all, look, I think that the Democrats are going to impeach him, and there's no way that it's kind of remove him from office. And it's really likely we end up right back where he did at the end of the Russia investigation. If you hate Trump, you think he's guilty, he should have been impeached long ago. If you like Trump, the whole thing's a sham. And if you're in the middle, you know, you don't really like them all that much, but you kind of put your hands up and say, give me somebody to vote for, which maybe the Democrats will do. But I just think the country's too divided politically for a sea change in the Republican vote uh, to go against the president. I do think it's possible, possible that independents look at all of this and say, yeah, the guy's got to go, but they're still going to want somebody to vote for because I don't think there's enough... You know, it matters where these independent voters are, Wisconsin, Michigan, you know, versus California or or, somewhere else. But ultimately, you're not going to see Republicans on the Hill change their mind unless their voters want them to. And and I don't really think most of the voters are going to want them to. You know what I'm concerned about? I I learned of, of Barishma and the Bidens and John Kerry's kid. You know, it's over a year ago that the book Secret Empires was written. Peter Schweitzer broke the story, among other scandals that happened, bipartisan skullduggery. And I was excited about it being investigated. I thought, finally, we're going to get something. And now what it appears to me is this dog and pony show is taking away the actual fact that this will be investigated. I'm concerned now that the distraction has more play than the crime. Well, I think part of the problem here is that the president should not have personally asked Zelensky to investigate the Bidens. That's the problem. I mean, we have a Justice Department and an FBI, and 
politicians get investigated all the time, regardless of who controls the White House. I mean, a, a Republican in Florida is under investigation, I believe, as we speak. And we saw Republicans indicted last election cycle, uh, investigated by the FBI and the Justice Department, including some allies of the president. So that's the way our system works. But the president, even though he oversees the Justice Department and he is deemed by the Constitution to be the chief law enforcement officer in the country, is, is not in our modern era supposed to go around deciding who gets investigated and who doesn't. And in this case, he didn't just ask for any political rival to be investigated, you know, name your Democrat that, you know, he doesn't get along with. He asked for the guy who he might be running against next year who polls really well against him. So I explain all of this to say that's why you have this distraction or you have this one story versus the other story. There are ways for law enforcement to go look into these things, and they often do. And whatever people think about the president's ask, if they support the president and think it was above board, it was political malfeasance on his part. Maybe he didn't totally intend to affect what he was asking, but that's what he did. And I think the only reason we're in an impeachment proceeding is because he asked Zelensky to investigate the Bidens. If he would have just said, look, I want you to investigate corruption, or, you know, I think in 2016 I got messed with, and it's not right, and you need to look at it, just like that, that would have been fine. But look into the Democrats, look into Biden specifically, that's a problem. It's insane to me, David. I'm mad at him. I'm going to tell you why. I'm a street guy here in Chicago, okay? It's terrible living under these Democrat mafias. Guys, I'm telling you, it's terrible. You have no idea. They inundate you with more nonsense, and, and they, they handcuff you and leash you to these these taxes and their failure. So I was optimistic that this guy, you know, he played the game. I thought he was smart enough to get caught on something so stupid to a guy who looks so incapable. To me, I, don't, I didn't think Joe Biden, in fact, one of my, five months ago, I bet he wouldn't make it to Thanksgiving before he dropped out. And to see him waste this, and now we are in this soiree, of failure, and all we're doing is getting inundated. This is his own ambassador. This, to me, looked like he was testifying on behalf of the Democrats. I didn't see a friendly witness here. In fact, I saw him treated hostily by both parties. Yeah, you know, Sondland was trying to sort of bob and weave between what he could speak about directly and everybody's everybody asking him to characterize things the way they wanted him to. And in, in some ways, I, I sympathize with him, right? Because the Democrats would basically ask him, well, Trump's a horrible guy. Wouldn't you agree? And he'd be like, look, that's your opinion. And, you know, maybe if your hypothetical is true, we might agree on that. And the Republicans would say, of course, nothing happened here and everything you're saying is all conjecture. And he would say, look, you know, your hypothetical might be true if, but here's what I did testify to and what I stand by. So he was kind of, you know, boxed in by both because, look, all of these witnesses are, are being – the Republicans and the Democrats on the committee are trying to use the witnesses to make their point. I mean, that's, you know, in a sense similar to a court law where you're questioning people to get them to say things that either support or refute the evidence at hand or the charges. So that's to be expected. I, I You know, I think, again, you have a lot of voters that are trying to figure out what all of this means because it's – you don't have anything on tape, and you don't have anything, um, you know, on videotape. And so you have things that sound bad. I mean, I, I would just get to the point of this. Most Americans probably figure Trump's not always the nicest guy. Yeah. And most Americans probably figure 
some might even like him for this reason, but that he's not always he doesn't always play by the rules. But what Democrats, you know, have to prove is that he deserves to be removed from office, or they have to make that case, and they have to get people to agree with him. And that's that's a taller order. If all they had to do was convince people that Trump's a bad guy, that's an easier thing to do. But that's that's not the only thing they have to do. So I'm a political junkie, and I love I love the chaos. I, I have to admit, I was a kid when Nixon did the old "I'm not a crook" got in the helicopter. But I remember <laughs> I remember being a kid, you know, and, and obviously they had the tapes. But it started out where the Republicans were with him right up until the point they weren't with him. And then Barry Goldwater prances in and tells him, listen, you're on your own. You're done. And I'm just wondering, what's the under over on Ted Cruz playing Barry Goldwater should things go sideways? Because I got I got Ted for 20. What do you say? Well, just watch voters. If voters go sideways, they'll wash their hands of him as fast as they can. But if voters don't then they'll stick with them. I mean, that's what all of this is about. I try and explain this. You know, I've got liberal friends of mine in California, and they're like, they keep waiting for Republicans to abandon him for what they think are legitimate reasons that he should be abandoned from their point of view. And they can't understand it. And I just keep telling them, they tell other people, Republican voters are with him, largely. And until that changes, you're not going to see Republicans on Capitol Hill uh, abandon him no matter what they think. I mean, yeah, you may get one or two that on principle believe they need to do this. And, you know, if it costs them their career, so be it. And we've seen a couple of Republicans like that over the past couple of years. But most of them plan to be around a lot longer than Trump. They think that the policy goals that they have are more important than you know, standing up to Trump's malfeasance, especially because they tend to support most of his policies. We think most of his policies are good and think, you know, Democrats being in power would be equally bad, if not worse, for the country, just a different kind of bad, if they have an issue with Trump's behavior and his antics. So they're not going anywhere unless things change. He couldn't have been stupid enough because I see a headline come out today and it says federal prosecutors are about to interview Ukrainian gas executives. And I think, finally, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And then you read the first paragraph, and it's about Rudy Giuliani setting up a same scam, similar to what we're mad about Burishma. And I say to myself, could this? Could he possibly? Could they possibly have been that stupid as to set up the similar scam? It, it, Rudy didn't do this, right? Well, I, look, I think Rudy Giuliani may be at the heart of the president's problems here because Rudy Giuliani was freelancing, but it's very possible he was freelancing at the behest of the president. The president tends to talk to a lot of people who uh, are not in official circles, and they all want to do stuff with him for him, and and that might be the problem. Do you think that John Gotti would get a laugh out of this? (laughs) Probably so. All right, listen, David, thank you for taking time. I really do appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy, so I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. Good luck to you in California. Hope you don't get mugged by a homeless guy. Thank you. All right, 312-642-5600. We will be back after these messages. Taking your calls. All right, did I ever tell you, kid, about my favorite book? Down at the Merck, old guy, loved him. He was a very smart man. Gave me a book called Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. It's about Jesse Livermore. Guy was brilliant. You're talking in the 20s. They said if you gave him a week old paper and a telephone, he could make $1,000 a day on information. And you know how he did it? He would step back. He would put all the information on the wall, the charts. He would step back at the furthest corner on top of his desk and try to get the whole picture. 
So what I took away from that is that's how I like to look at everything, right? So I'm not party radio. I've been listening to the party radio. Republicans are great. The Democrats are great. You just, you know, I'm not party radio. We might have a party, but this is not party radio. Right? I don't, I, I don't like all that. So I want to really, I'm concerned because we got these socialists that are hot on the heels here, kid. I cannot afford to be a socialist. I really enjoy shoes and shirts and different choices. Um, but when you hear things from people that you respect that were at one time respected in our circle and they say smart stuff, you got to get nervous. And this, I'm going to tell you why I got nervous. It leads me that there will be articles of impeachment. I it's think Ken we've Star. known that. I think we just confirmed today. And then substantively, what we heard from the chairman just now is it's over. We now know. I mean, this is his position. We now know that the president, in fact, committed the crime of bribery to something of value. That's litigable, but I think the articles of impeachment are being drawn up if they haven't already been drawn up. And so it depends. Will it be bipartisan and so forth? So uh, this uh, obviously has been one of those bombshell days. So now he won the election, right? And then we had to argue about the way in which he won it. Right? We had to relitigate the fact that we have in a system that is not based on mobocracy. And we've had this system since the beginning of the country, and all of a sudden, no, 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 let's get rid of it and go to an, an absolute democracy. So you see that there's a pattern here. You know, the electoral system is a beautiful system. The idea that people, intelligent people, would be arguing to get rid of it shows you that the mission is strictly to turn us all into servants to the state, the government. So I'm nervous, right? I don't, I don't want this to go sideways for our guy here. And he's not really, I argue, on a lot of the policies, okay? I'm not one of these worshiping people guy. But I do understand he is the barrier between us and real bad. So let's think about what happened. So he gets impeached by the Democrats, who you cannot argue seized the House convincingly. They didn't kind of win it. They kicked the Republicans' dairy air. That was a showing up at your fight. And it's a gang fight, and you're the only guy that knows it. It was a beating, okay? And now you got to hear the spin, right? I could hear the party spin. Oh, it wasn't so bad, and the Republican women, and you could blame everything. But the reality is we are under a socialist Congress, period. End of story. So they're going to impeach him. And now he doesn't get removed, say. But these hearings go on for quite a while, and they start to make people think. And let's say he survives the impeachment. What's the election look like One for you have a president literally running who's technically been impeached? I mean, what are you kidding me? I mean, especially when you look at the numbers of how many people need to turn out in very key areas that have been kind of switched from hardcore Republican or, you know, nobody's things aren't the same as they were in 2016. We have a serious to me. This is a serious situation where one of these dimwits that'll be on stage today could possibly be the president in 2020, which has now become the king of America, as we sat idly by, and they became the king. Because I can't figure out what a president can't do. I, I, I couldn't figure it out under Obama. He's writing laws. I thought you couldn't write laws. Now we're going to write laws. Oh, okay. I thought you couldn't spend money. Trump wants to spend money. Oh, okay, we could spend money. I, I, I get rid of regulations, add regulations. For every regulation that the Republicans tout Trump did, he got rid of. Well, how do you get rid of them? 
He didn't get rid of them from Congress. He wrote a pen. So that means the next dimwit that's in there can write a pen and they're back in. I can't figure out what they can't do. And listen, as we talk about, we are broadcasting from the epitome of Democrat success, which is known around the world as failure. They don't win at anything good for us, the people. I really, I mean, the idea, I, I, I can't tell you. The night that Barack Obama won, it was a cold night. I'll never forget it. Thankfully, I had three cigars in my pocket. Right? My kids are little. And I walked until I couldn't walk anymore because I was so disgusted at how bad it was going to be. I'm not kidding you. I was on the phone with people. The phone wore out. I'm like, I, do you understand what this buffoon is going to do to the debt? God forbid he gets that stupid health care system, you know, the one that ruined everything. God forbid he's in charge of the regulations. What have you done? I wasn't the same. I was depressed for about eight years. And then, you know, I thought I would be a little happy. I'm not happy. You know, I'm getting old. I'm going to be 52 on Friday. I pretend it's a colic. It might very well be a bald spot. I don't want to be a socialist, brother. (laughs) It's very depressing. And then I hear all the talk show hosts talk about how great the guy was, how, how Trump was vindicated. Well, this is what I saw. Let me ask you something. Who would have benefited from an investigation of the president's political opponents? I don't want to characterize who would have and who would not have. I know you don't want to, sir. That's my question. Would you, would you answer it for me? Smart me. State your question. Who would benefit from an investigation of the president's political opponent? Well, presumably that the person who asked for the investigation. Who is that? If the president asked for the investigation, it would be he. Well, it's not a hypothetical, is it, sir? We just went around this track, didn't we? The president asked you about investigations. He was talking about the Bidens. When he, when he asked you about the Biden investigation, who was he seeking to benefit? He did not ask me about the Biden investigation. When he I asked you about investigations. About times, Mr. Sir, sir, we just went through this. When he asked you about investigations, which we all agree now means the Bidens. We just did this about 30 seconds ago. We, we're at, it's a pretty simple question, isn't it? I guess, I guess I'm having trouble why you can't just say... When he asked about investigations, I assumed he meant... I know what you assume. Company. But who would benefit from an investigation of the Bidens? They're two different questions. I, I, I'm just asking you one. Who would benefit from an investigation of the Bidens? I assume President Trump would benefit. There we have it. See? <laughs> Didn't hurt a bit, did it? Didn't hurt a bit, but let me ask you something. Mr. Maloney. Hold on, sir. Excuse me. I've been very forthright, and I really resent what you're trying to do. Fair enough. You've been very forthright. This is your third try to do so, sir. Didn't work so well the first time, did it? We had a little declaration come in after. You remember that? And now we're here a third time, and we got a doozy of a statement from you this morning. There's a whole bunch of stuff you don't recall. So all due respect, sir, we appreciate your candor, but let's be really clear on what it took to get it out of you. And in the meantime... They're not going to investigate what actually was the crime. And well, and even if they do, well, then they certainly better investigate what Giuliani was doing. What the hell are you people doing? I don't want to be a socialist. I really don't. Do you? I mean, look at Illinois. This is, can you imagine spreading this out where you have nowhere to run? Green energy, I'm breathing, there's a problem. It's all just chaos to me. See you in Ukraine soon. I don't want to see me in the Ukraine soon. 312-642-5600. We'll take your calls when we get back from the break. Thank you. Nah, 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 nah,
312-642-5600. we got a full board. I love it. Get online if you want to be online. Did you see the Business Insider? Oh, it's great. DNA test reveals Hunter Biden fathered a baby with another woman while he was dating his brother's widow. I mean, this guy makes Charlie Sheen blush. Are you kidding me? wonder what he's doing Friday. He'd be a lot of fun to go out with, huh? What are you, nuts? It's just great. The problem is I thought we would take this little nougat and destroy him for a thousand years. Look at, look at how corrupt. And then you got the Giuliani. I, 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 that makes me want to just slap him right in that bald head of his. What the hell are you thinking, stupid? You want to be a gangster? What do you think, this is the Ravens Club? Setting up, hanging out with the Ukrainians? What the hell is wrong with you, dummy? He watched too many of his own movies. I told you about the pinky ring. Never trust a guy with a pinky ring or a toupee. Those are two things never to be trusted. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. John, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? Good. You need to let it go, Sean, okay? <laughs> Say to yourself, yay, communist. Yay. <laughs> Listen, I hope. I hope they win it all. I hope they take the Senate. I hope they take every <sighs> state legislature. You know why? I could pull because off a Vladimir Putin thing? To, it'll go in part to a question that Verlan posed yesterday, and I'd like to answer that question on who you could trust. The chaos that will ensue, the unraveling of civilization. Verlan, there's going to be two people you could trust when this happens, if the Democrats take over, which I hope they do. And Let's get it on. It's Smith and Weston. Oh. Those are the two people you'll be able to trust. <laughs> John, That's the only way, baby. Always tell it's a guy gone, from Bridgeport, John. thank you, we're, thank we're, you. I, uh, we're too far gone. John, I don't know. I hope you're wrong. I hope he's wrong. But I don't... I, here's why he might be right. When the answer to the problem is f- not really interested in breaking up the problem, but just inhabiting the corruption of the problem. So if there's a lot of Rudy Giuliani's out there in the, in the Republican Party, and if the mission is, you know, let's let's take out Barishma and then replace it with my own, then yeah, you know, because look at Vladimir Putin. I mean, he did come out of communism. I don't know. I'm a little old though to be hanging on to that. Okay, let's go. We got a call here from Melody. Is this Melody from Denver? Did you call me from Denver, Melody? Hello. She must be from Denver. Connection's bad. Melody, are you there? Oh, we lost her. Denver, probably in the mountains. Denver's beautiful. Also run by Democrats. That's a shame. Kyle, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? Hey, good. Ironically, I have those two guys in my pocket right now. Anyway, uh, real quick. One, I want to say it was Joseph Goebbels or whatever his name was talking about. If you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe Goebbels. it. That's yeah. what I feel like is going on with that uh, Democrat hearing right now about the impeachment. Uh, nonetheless, in reference to... Not much of a pig farmer... Might- not much of a pig farmer, no. but a hell of a Nazi, Gerbers. I mean, are you kidding me? Go ahead. It's going to be dropping but, uh, Nazi references on me. Come on, you can't stop me, Kyle. Go ahead. Hey, you got it. I'm proud of you. Two right, points. You. Anyway, um, but in reference to being scared about the election, I kind of am, and I'm kind of not. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very aware of the stupid boiling to the surface pointing all these electorals up. But the person that would win the primary election amongst themselves wouldn't win or do well, per se, in the general, so kind of not worried about that. You know what I think, though, Kyle? Let's see, I'm going to do a little. I'm going to do a little speculation radio. I think the Democrat that's going to be the nominee isn't on the stage. I told you what I think, kid. Michelle Mybell. She's coming off the sidelines. I'm telling you right 
Now I got a sneaky, sneaky premonition. You know, I picked the winner of that golf tournament. I said Fleetwood, and everybody in my store bet against me. I won. Drew, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? Sean, how you doing? Wonderful. Uh, a few minutes ago, you said uh, you had spoken about the Electoral College and how you felt that uh, that should remain in place. Absolutely. And I wanted to offer a thought on that. Uh, it is a great system because um, you, during, when it was set, you didn't have the opportunity, you didn't have the technology in place to count votes. Uh, people out in Iowa wouldn't know really who the candidates were, so you'd send representatives. Uh, now we have the uh, the capability to count the votes. And actually, the advantage I think we'd get here in Illinois is that when we go to the uh, booth on general election day and vote, our vote actually goes all the way into Washington for the candidate we actually voted for. Yeah, but you can't. You know, this last you, time around, if you, if you voted, pardon, go ahead. You can't destroy the electoral system because of Illinois, because the electoral, there is a reason we're not a strict democracy. The electoral system was put in place so that the corrupt uh, uh sections of the country couldn't outweigh those people who were not corrupted by it. So can you imagine, you know as well as I do, you know as many municipal city workers as I do, none of them are really Democrats. All of them vote Democrat because they're corrupt. All of them. It's like my old neighborhood, Melrose Park. There's not a, there's not a Democrat in a whole damn town. Yet when it comes time to vote, guess what they do? Democrat, because they want in on the pie. You cannot get rid of a system that protects us from that kind of skullduggery. You can't do it. So, God forbid, if you're uh, one of these little uh, in Utah and you're a staunch conservative and you don't buy any of this socialism nonsense, we can't let California, who every single time it votes is going to vote for a communist, you can't let them throw out Utah or, or Montana. The electoral system is genius because it offsets that corruption. So I'm terrified that we get rid of that one day, Drew, because then, you know what, the, Illinois proves once people can vote themselves money from, well, from, from government, they're going to throw out caution to the wind. They're going to vote against their neighbor's principles and rights. The only thing keeping us from, from Soviet Union is the electoral system. Drew, thank you very much. Hope I see you at the cigar store. Good guy, Drew. Good guy. Big guy. Yeah, I could still take him. 52 and all. Jason, thanks for calling the show. How are you? Yeah, um, so I guess I'm kind of confused about your, um, you know, trying to drag Giuliani through the mud here. I'm not dragging Giuliani on the mud. Giuliani dragging Well, you know, every time I hear you kind of comment on him, he's not to be trusted or this or that. So I'm just wondering, do you have a problem with uh, uh, Trump having him as his representation in the Ukraine and like, why would that be, since we know we can't trust the FBI and the, our intelligence agencies to do real investigative work about what happened between, in 2016 between the DNC and the Ukraine? First of all, let me agree with you. and everything okay. like that. I agree with you. So but are you not troubled by the fact Giuliani was setting up with Rick Perry, and Rick Perry's biggest donors, an oil company for the natural gas of Ukraine? Doesn't that bother you? Well, at this point, I'd like to stick to the, what the impeachment is all about, wow. and <laughs> to muddy up to muddy up Giuliani, a story that has not been vetted or we don't know of yet. Uh, is that is that clear? When there are clear facts about what Giuliani is exposing, it's it's a lot more important to understand what Giuliani is Jason, exposing and try to try to Jason. They have him. Up. They have him with the two oligarchs, bagmen. 
They have him at a meeting. They have him in a hotel at a private meeting. See you in Ukraine soon. I mean, really? That's Rudy Giuliani. See you in the Ukraine soon. 312-642-5600. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You know, first of all, the the last caller was 100% correct about the FBI. Get all that. But that doesn't give anybody the license or the authority to have your personal lawyer go to a European country and do anything. I'm sorry, it doesn't. If you've got an actual mission and an accomplishment that you want to achieve, now do it through through the system, do it through the political system. In fact, you could have run for, for your entire next election on the fact, look at the bureaucracies and how inundated they are with political sycophants, and even Democrats would have recognized that. But that doesn't give you a license to then all of a sudden go and and, and, and send Rudy Giuliani on some mission. Flawed isn't even the word for Rudy Giuliani. And to deny the fact that the story hasn't been vetted when you could follow the documents. Energy 45 is a real legit company that they put up together to seize the natural gas business in the Ukraine. So take him, take Hunter Biden, take uh, Heinz, uh, Kerry's kid, and throw them all in the same cell cell with Roger Stone and his tramp stamp of Nixon. And let's get the party started. But to do the ostrich politics that Republican hosts want you to do, you want that party BS? You want to stick your head in the sand and not look at anything? Then turn the damn channel, because I will not do that party nonsense. I almost said the BS word, but I didn't. Restrain. Calm and restrain. Because that, that to me is a disgusting thing. When I watch used to be respected conservatives come out and talk about BS and we're going to do a whole economic thing right after 6 o'clock. If I don't have a guest, I can't even remember. But we're going to go through all that. Because what we're seeing here is the implosion of a society under the premise of we're not as bad as those guys. And that's not good enough. We're not as bad as Democrats doesn't cut it for me. And if it does for you, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because you want to lose at slow motion. I don't like losing. Not anything. Not ever. And I will not tolerate these idiots walking around like they're above the law. That bald head, bowling pin body, these 80-year-old diaper-wearing freaks. Greg, thanks for calling the show. How are you? Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm aggravated. You know, today, I, I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of this stuff. This, this Maloney guy going off on, uh, on, on the witness today. These TV tough guys just unloading and talking down to people. Like, they're on Mount Olympus, and we're just nothing but plebes. Well, I, I'm I, sick of it. I, I, and this is the lesson I learned from my father, Sean, real quickly. Okay, real go quickly. Ahead, go ahead. Back in the day, in the, in the notch with Greenspan, adjustable mortgage rates. Hey, it's a good thing. You know, people can afford houses. What did my dad tell me? Not college educated. Work three jobs. Master investor. No Jesse Livermore. Master investor, very smart. He said, the guys that hold the strings to the money are the guys that run the economy. They run everything. Yeah, well, they can take the money from you at any time. I should, and this is where you're at now, Sean. Yeah, listen, Greg, I, I get you. You're going to like the 6 o'clock hour. I should have saved this call for a 6 o'clock hour. I want to talk more about the nonsense we're facing here. And, I, and to the other thing about the, 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 uh, the parties grilling the witnesses, to a certain extent, that's their job. I'm not really mad at that. In fact, I wish the Republicans would have acted half that way as Obama seized our, seized our rights away from us and threw that yoke of tyranny Obamacare on our shoulders. Can you imagine if the Republicans had the fight in them, the Democrats do? I would look, the whole country would be better off. 
The whole country would be better off. Do not ever complain about a contentious government in America. That's how it's supposed to be. If Congress had the power it was intended to have, and the president had the power he was intended to have, we wouldn't be in this pickle. So I don't care who takes it back. Just take it back. Because the way it's running where we don't, we don't mind the tyranny, we just want our, ty- our tyrant in there, that's not good enough. I'm sorry, it's not. And for, for Republicans to call up, first of all, we knew about Hunter Biden a year and a half ago. Were you guys as vocal on radio or uh, with your friends as I was? Because I read that book, Hot Off the Presses, baby. There's a big thing on the dailies in there, too. He doesn't just go, I mean, he goes after everybody. Find out about Mitch McConnell and the lovely Mrs. McConnell. Read the damn book. Secret empires, open your eyes a little bit, and you'll realize the whole thing is about government that is corrupted, working to have favoritism and results at the lack of exposure and competition. In every instance, it's always about the money. Follow the money. The problem is when the Republicans get in there, they do the damn same thing, and that fries me. And that goes to the callers. Oh, shouldn't we have believe, faith, and trust? Well, how many times do you have to get beat up before you start to defend yourself? How many times you got to get carjacked before you start locking the door? Are you paying attention? Because it's outrageous. Hunter Biden is a scumbag. Hell of a guy on a Friday night. Scumbag. And so anybody that does that formula, they are too. Can we identify that? Because this is how I started the the week. Are you going to try to fix things or go along to get along and be part of the sheep? If you want to be a sheep, put a bell on your neck and listen to only the Republicans. The Republicans are great, 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 great. I think it's important if we're going to correct things, we recognize who's the one that stabs us in the back. It's worse to have a girl deny you than go out with you and cheat on you. The Republicans are cheaters. So it's time we start demanding a little more from those guys with their parted hair and their Brooks Brothers suit. Do the right thing. 312-642-5600. So we're going to take a couple more calls on the last subject, but I I am going to show you the broader point of what happens when you when you do what these guys who call up uh, Misty want you to do when you bury your head in the sand. How before you know you have no principles. You have no fundamentals. In fact, you're just a sheep following around the herder. Sickening to me. It really is. I don't know what has happened to this party. It's just disgraceful. Manny, thanks for calling the show. How are you? How's it going, Sean? Good, buddy. I'm curious as to, you, you were talking about follow the money, and I'm curious as to where do you believe that those monies are coming from? Well, first of all, what the, in this particular sense, when you want to control a market and it's a government-controlled, manipulated market like the Ukraine, which is notoriously corrupt and has been for a very long time, the, the, the market itself is orchestrated and controlled by oligarchs who have paid off government for the licensing. In fact, if you look at Burishma and what it was, it's been corrupt since its inception. And it was corrupt with the old well, with the old monarchy. So when you say where's the money come from, it's natural gas. So where you know well, I'm, I'm, Ukraine has well, one point one trillion dollars in natural gas reserves. So it's a natural gas producing okay, country. Besides talking about Ukraine, I mean internally, I mean what goes on in Ukraine is really 
you know, Ukraine's business. I'm mm-hmm. talking about what goes on in our government. Where do you believe the money to the all these politicians are coming from? From K Street. They've hired lobbyists. Our government has legalized bribery, and they call it lobbying. Yeah. And do we agree? And do we agree that the majority of the lobbyists are corporations? Sure, we do. Yeah, but first of all, what's a corporation? Okay, so how do you? Well, what's a corporation, so Manny? How do you, how, well, any companies, major companies, corpor- you know, they put in but, funds to Manny. Let's you know, not push let, out their agenda. Let's not right? do. Let's not do what the American Marxist does, and demonize an entity well, that not doesn't an exist. American Marxist. No, no, no. But, I'm talking about in terms of corporate of culture. Those are people, and the Manny. Money that is but those, to the government. those are people who have legal entities called corporations, and those people in yes. those entities hire lobbyists who are also people who pay off other people who are yes. in control of our laws and regulations. So people corrupting people. That goes for, that, okay, but that goes for both public and private companies. Absolutely, so, do we not agree. Oh, absolutely. So how? So so if we agree on that fact, how do you? believe on this idea of, you know, less government regulation and free open market. Because because here Manny, I just showed you we don't we don't have any free markets. You have a you have a manipulated market that's paid for by specific companies by people to avoid yes. to avoid exactly. competition to avoid competition to price fix and to use government to write laws to do so. So it's legal exactly. it's legal mafia. So, but those mafias are coming from the corporate greed, and no, it, 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 the we're obviously it. talking in circles. They're people. For so, instance, uh, I mean, think about it. Think about it. Uh, uh, there's no getting through to them, so I'm going to do it without them because I can't stand the interrupting. Okay, it's really quite simple. Corporations are legal vestibules. That's all they are. Okay. These corporations and these heads of these corporations and these board members are people who, in some cases, not only hire lobbyists, but have created the entire industry to prevent competition. Think of the big three automakers, for example, which, by the way, today, GM filed lawsuit against Chrysler, which I love. Scumbags of uh, the same the same monster. So they hire lobbyists so that government can regulate to keep away all competition and put barriers to prevent value to us, the American consumers. So those, you want to demonize corporations? Okay, fine. Then demonize corporations. But never forget, there is no such thing as a corporation. These are people, board members, they have names. They hire lobbyists, also have names. And if you think I'm wrong, just watch the movie Tucker, for old time's sake. Do you know about that car? Best car ever made, no question about it. Big three use their political power, a corrupt, dirty senator out out of Detroit to crush Tucker. And the car company lasted one year, produced 50 cars, and 46 of them are still roadworthy. 1948. First car with seatbelts. Did you know that? Yeah. Rear engine. Phenomenal. Phenomenal vehicle. But the big three knew they couldn't keep their scam going. So corporations, I don't know which way Manny was going. Are they good or are they bad? They could be both. The main thing is when you have a system that has legalized bribery, licensing for hire, and regulations to the highest bidder, who have figured out how to keep it where it looks like politics and wash the money through a very narrow group of lobbyists, maybe then you could figure out why politicians never want to leave office and retire worth tens of millions, right? So to demonize that or to call that capitalism, that's, the, that's not capitalism. That's corporatism. 
That's the bastardization of markets. That's not free markets. So that's why when people talk about markets, we don't have free markets here. You don't even know what the hell a free market is. Find one. You can't. It's like we had the other caller. What can't Trump do? I mean, it's just... All right. Let's go to uh, Catherine. How are you, Catherine? I'm doing pretty good. I'm fighting a little rush hour traffic here. All right, good. But uh, I did want to mention I'm a first-time caller. Oh, thank you. Um, I've seen you once in a while on TV. Um, I'm a grandma, so, you know. Um, I know that while I was waiting, while I'm waiting there, I mean, there was like three or four issues with every caller that you know. You notice, you notice, Catherine, how it how it starts out like a, like a conversation and it ends up in an argument. And I'm going to tell you why that is, Catherine. Yes. To yes. me, to me, if you give away the language, if you let people hide behind language, then you're you're down the path from your original principle. Right. So if we think corruption, if we think corruption and using political influence in oil companies is bad, well, then we should identify it when both both parties do it. And to use kind of exactly use trickery, because that's what you know here. And I don't blame the people. Most of the people only hear echo chamber radio. Right. They like what they like. And they want to be told the Republicans are good and the Democrats are bad. And most of the time, that's 90 percent true. But what hurts us, the people who are not corrupt socialists, are Republicans that sell out when they're in important positions. And that's what I try to avoid. And the way we do that is we don't give up the principle. We don't give up the fundamental. Catherine, I know you were on hold a long time. I have to go to break. Thank you so much for calling. Please call again. Thank you. Isn't it nice when a grandmother calls? I find that very sweet. But do we have time to play this clip of uh, how much time I got, kid? Okay. The broader principle of my argument is always the same. The one who is the saboteur to your principles is worse than this, than the person who opposes your principles. That's always the case. Okay. So we are now in a position where I'm hearing misinformation about Congress should vote on the MCA, the MCA, the trade deal. Now, I don't believe that, you know, I believe Trump maybe told somebody to do it. I'm not suggesting he's a bad guy. So for all the people who want to call up and yell at Misty, give it a minute. But in the MCA, There is a crucial part of the MCA of why I'm against it. And it is that Mexico, Canada, anybody who produces anything that's traded with America must pay their employees $16 an hour. Now, as conservatives, for decades, we understood the ramifications of what happens when you have high minimum wages, how you take away value to the consumer, how you have to pass that cost on, and in particular with trade, you're destroying the principle of trade, which is to take advantage of that value, of the slippage in currency, of the difference in cost. That's the whole point. But see, a corrupt politician wants to price fix so that you keep the fraudulent unions that have destroyed the American car company flourishing and in business. And to me, I'm going to tell you something right now, that is the scandal, the Tuesday scandal. And Stephen Moore was somebody I really respected for a long time. And I watched him debate Paul Krugman on minimum wage. This is what he used to say. Thank you for all the work you do in promoting economic freedom. And I want you to maybe shed some light on this issue of minimum wage because a lot of people are in favor of it. And it um, doesn't seem like a good idea to me to raise the minimum wage based on any number of reasons, but I'd like to get your take. 
Should we raise the minimum wage to $10 an hour? $10 an hour. Listen no, we shouldn't have a minimum wage in this country. The government should never, ever, ever be in the business of setting wages and prices. We should have learned that lesson 50 uh, years ago. Uh, the market should set the price. And if you want to hire me for $7 an hour and I want to work for you for $7 an hour, why should the government say that that's a contract that can't be you know, freely uh, engaged in? Uh, the evidence shows very clearly... Uh, almost irrefutable, irrefutable. That when you raise the minimum wage, you put teenagers out of work, you put the least skilled out of works, and you put minorities out of work. So isn't that interesting? Hmm. The people who the left says they're trying to help tend to be the victims of the minimum wage. And the worst thing you can do if you want people to have economic success, which we do. We want everybody to have an opportunity in this country. We're conservatives. We believe in creating an opportunity society for everyone. That's what America's about. When you raise the minimum wage, you saw off the lowest rungs of the economic ladder so people can't climb. Remember that? That's what conservatism was. Now this same guy is going around touting how everybody should sign, the Congress should do their job, stop the inquiry, and pass MCA. And Republicans from coast to coast are talking about how great this bill is, and nobody read it. Remember how outraged we all were when they voted on Obamacare, and nobody read it? I can't stand the idea that we are against a party and not for a principle. I'm telling you right now, nobody's winning under those circumstances. You're just losing it slow motion, and you like the way it feels. But to me, the Republicans I knew stood for something. The Tea Party conservatives I knew stood for something. They would have been against price fixing. They would have been against insider deals. They would have been for principles. They would have been for liberty and freedom of the American businessman. And now I can't help but notice the similarities between the, the, the organized union extortion labor Democrats and the Republicans. I can't decipher the difference anymore. And that's because there isn't one. It isn't because my principles or the principles of, of economics have changed. It's because our tolerance for the nonsense changed. So I want to win. I want to win regardless of who's there. I wanted Trump to win. Everybody, they're calling Misty, you're a never Trumper. I'm so sick of that. When you're a forever Trumper and you can't think. Because if you're for this nonsense, if you're for these inside deals to the inside people, if you're for price fixing, if you're for manipulated markets, you're not a Republican. You're a Democrat who pretends to be better. 312-642-5600. We'll be back after this. General Motors. I love this story. I love it. Because to me, when the chickens come home to roost... You must point out exactly what they're roosting about. General Motors sues Fiat Chrysler, alleging union bribes. All right, General Motors filed a lawsuit on Wednesday against Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, alleging its competitor was involved in racketeering by paying millions of dollars in bribes to corrupt the bargaining process with the UAW workers. Oh, as if it wasn't corrupt enough. Likely costing GM billions of dollars, because if you remember, GM was the one that went real long. Remember Ford didn't go long at all? Uh-uh. Chrysler? Not long at all. GM went real long. The big picture, the suit filed in U.S. District Court of Detroit, aligns with an ongoing federal probe into corruption among some of the UAW top people. Remember when the president was uh, 
investigated, or actually he was arrested for spending millions and millions of dollars. GM accuses also that the UAW are negotiating contracts fresh off a six-week strike. Workers plan on a merge with the French automaker, and then they used the plummeting GM prices to try to obtain a, 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 a beneficial price in the sale. The most corrupt industry ever is one where the union is involved. Period. End of story. Because what they do is they use their political clout for favoritism. All kinds of favoritism from knuckling under anybody who doesn't participate in union labor to keeping out countries that don't have to deal with that kind of corruption and offer value to the consumer. See, the last thing that the mediocrity at high prices called unions produce wants is competition. Can't have it. So that's why they're so politically... That's why when the union, when they take all the money from the workers and they give it to political parties, that's why. Because they want the political parties to use the law as a weapon against competition. Matt, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, but I'm not thrilled with the whole setup there. Wow, that was uh, that was brutal. So I'm, Fine, I'm just reading you the news, baby. The Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but the news is one thing, but that setup was even worse. So uh, let me start out by saying I was a union guy for a long time, reformed, now I'm a Republican. But at the same time, I still see the value in the concept of unionizing. And here's the real problem. And what happened to the auto industry was that we ended up cutting our own throats because we had so many employed and they were all drawing pensions, and the concept was based on new employees coming in to pay those pensions and keep those pensions being paid, but the government didn't protect Matt, you saw our workers really? by having okay. tariffs in place. Oh, Matt. That's what tariffs are for. Poppycock. Tariffs are to penalize people of choice and to steer purchasing. Tariffs are should be illegal. But here's the, here's the broader point. Can you tell me how a union... Rewards a very good worker? Mm, depends on the union. Pick, Oftentimes pick they one. end up as uh, the sheet metal workers union. Mm-hmm. So how do they, the best sheet metal worker, the best sheet metal worker in the union, how does he get rewarded? Well, he ends up getting yeah. mm-hmm. uh, super, he goes from foreman. Mm-hmm. The superintendent. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's. But now, okay, so up. so now now the best shoemaker in the world. What's his name? Lou Batan. What's the one with the red soles that, the, that everybody's fifteen hundred a shoe? How does he get rewarded for making the best shoe ever that all the women want? How does he get rewarded? Well, he makes the most money, Matt. Well, it's a flawed system because unions do not reward work. In fact, what they do is protect mediocrity. All you need to do is be a part of that exclusive club. And then it doesn't matter if you're the worst worker in the hour or the best. You make the same. And you get extorted a little bit, but not as much as the guy who hires you. No, no, no. And somehow that higher echelon, all the guys who look like their name is Sammy and Tony and Guido, those guys driving the Cadillacs, they manage to eke out quite a nice living for themselves. Hmm. How's that happen out of that little money? Because it's a, it's a mafia of labor extortion. Period. End of story. And they, they and they, and the union members. Let me tell you something. I was a union member. I know all about it. They like the idea that it works like that. They feel protected. Think of a of a concept 
of a concept that would put a barrier in place for the actual consumer of whatever that product is. What are you trying to protect? You're trying to steer. Now, you know what they call that in real estate? Steering. And you go to jail. Illegal. Why isn't it in consumption? Because the system has become so corrupted that they like it that way because it's a lobbyist position and the politicians reap the rewards. That's why if you notice, a lot of top politicians all have big auto contractors. All, all, all big donors to all the corrupt politicians. All, oh, they write the checks out. Why? Why? So that government can misuse its authority to protect we, the consumer, from value. I mean, I, I know everyone glazes over because they don't want to hear it, but I'm sorry. A country that was, you know, here's the beauty of America. Here's the beauty. This started to happen in the, in the early 1900s, the, the corporatist, the corruption. And businessmen, guys like Matt in their car, figured out a way. Well, how could I deliver the widget to the consumer and give him value that he sees? Not everybody's going to see it. If you're a pro-union buy guy, God bless you. I hope you, you, you buy all your union stuff and you're as happy as could be. If you're not seeking value or choice, good for you. I'm all for it. But what about the person that needs the value or sees the value somewhere else? What about the guy like me? Right Now, I grew up in a union family. My grandfather was a Delco distributor. Not a lot of people know that. I saw in the 70s, when the UAW contract came over, I saw the, the, the quality of work go in the toilet. That's what destroyed GM. Not, not anything else other than the UAW contract that made it better to be a worker than anything else in the company. And the product went down because you couldn't fire them. And then all of a sudden, these other parts started to come out. They started out as Mickey Mouse, by the way. They used to call them Mickey Mouse. Oh, where's that from? China? Mickey Mouse. Then all of a sudden, those products that started to come over from Japan, from Toyota, they all started to say, wait a minute, this car is running less than five times as long, and it costs me 30% less. What happened? And then you know what the government did? Instead of recognizing the failure, you know what they did? They put a tariff, and they hit it in a chicken bill just for trucks. Did you know about this? And they did it in the 60s. And they added a 25% tariff on the foreign product. Instead of allowing the American car company to do what it should have done and fire the incompetent union labor, they protected them. And they, they let the consumer, the American consumer, pay high price for mediocre products. That is corruption, not capitalism. And if we had a little bit more capitalism and a little less corruption, I got news for you. We'd all be better off. And all the good workers in the unions, I'm talking about the top guys, they'd be better off too. Because it must be awful depressing to know that you're the best bricklayer, the best sheet metal worker, the best pipe fitter, and know that some dummy business agent's nitwit nephew makes the same thing you do because he's in the union. And at Thanksgiving, he's got the cork on his fork because he's too stupid not to poke his eye out. We'll be back. 312-642-5600. So I got him. Show's over. To the other side of the cantina. I asked the guy why he's so fly. Except funky Comadina. Got a lot of calls, huh? Not a lot of fans. Love it. I'm sorry, I just do. Because to me, it validates, you know, I knew I was going to get called a never. God forbid you could, you know, you criticize a point. I actually wanted Trump to do well. I've said it repeatedly. Said it repeatedly. I, I had a guy call him, what, socialist? <laughs> I'm a socialist. What are you, nuts? See, to me, this is socialism. Like, I'll tell you, I'll give you, for instance, Venus. 
you know how upset I was about the repo market, right? How I said, listen, what do you, you realize this is important. And we had people call up who had heard an interpretation of what the repo market was, how it was one day loan and uh, they had to buy it back the next day and it was a temporary thing. And nobody said it was $75 billion a night. Well, it isn't anymore. It's $120 billion a night. And it isn't one day anymore. No. In fact, it was never one day. The, the term of the contract was 17 days. But guess what? It wasn't good enough. So today, they extended it to 43 days. So do you understand the kind of money we're talking about that's going on? That's why when I see a secret meeting between the Fed Reserve, who is the one who allows this to happen? See, to me, in my world, in 2008, when banks were, were working in conjunction with rating agencies to deceive pension funds and we the people, and they went out of business in my world, in, in, the, in the world of capitalism, my offer to you is this. You give them the Michael Corleone. Nothing. I give you nothing. You're all fired. And by the way, somebody should go to jail. That's how my answer. That's what a capitalist is. And the ones who were good people, let them rebuild, and let's fix the problem and move on. I never liked the idea of just sweeping it under the rug, paying off the same people, and nobody went to jail. Nobody went to jail. You know how many guys are going to get thrown into who's call for robbing a liquor store for $40 tonight and do eight years? They stole 40, they stole trillions Trillions of dollars, a trillion dollars, one trillion dollars, 800 billion. Can we round up a trillion dollars? Nobody went to jail. What are you kidding me? Not only didn't you go to jail, you made money. And guess what we did? We did it again. Same thing, only this time we really turned the notch up. It's not, what are you doing? And now what's going on tonight? What's been going on for the last 35 nights, $120 billion to who? And you know why? Because they forced the interest rates low and the pension funds, where all the people's old money is and where all these municipalities are, they had to go in the riskier investments. Did you know that? Yeah, because how you, how, they can't buy treasuries. They get zero. So they had to take it, right? Because the guys who, by the way, the guys who manage the money, you think that they're all uh, 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 Gordon Gecko? They're just politically connected. They're throwing darts at a board. So they went into these other markets that are faltering because they pumped up the housing again. They pumped up used cars. Did you know right now, distressed cars, not just cars, distressed loans on cars in this country, $1.1 trillion. $1.1 trillion, that's on guys that don't get the loans from the, from the dealers. How do you think that looks? Corporate debt, unimaginable. See, to me, this is the problem. And I wanted, I wanted the next president after Barack Obama to come in. Like that guy from Walking Tall with the sawed-off axe handle. It's all over with. All that nonsense over with. I didn't want it to get put on steroids. But apparently if I say any of these policies, if we discuss any of the specificity of the issue, I'm out. I'm another Trumper. I'm a socialist. Right? And I'm wondering if the people realize how much information is it going to take before we are worried about issues anymore. Because there will be a day in this country, hopefully not soon. Let me be very clear. I want Trump to win again in 2020 because we've got Democrat communists that are pretending to be socialists that are the alternative. I don't want any of them to win. I can't stomach the idea that they let it get this far. 
So all the people, he's a never-Trumper. No, no, no. I'm a never-BSer. And I'm an always-thinker. Because that's how you solve the damn problem. I don't like when the old lady next door to me goes broke because they, they took her money. She unfortunately was invested in, in Lehman Brothers that went under. And Merrill Lynch, two doors down, they got bailed out. I think that's unfair. I don't like bubbles. I don't like fraud. I don't like it when a car salesman does it to me. And I especially don't like it when representatives do it to me. And I don't like money overnight forced to criminals. I think that's wrong. And I don't like to be told to sit down and shut up and don't think. That's for people who have a slave mentality. And if you can't recognize that, then guess what you are? That's the difference. So don't worry. Up and down the dial, you could hear the rah-rah. It'll be back. I think this is my last day for a week or two. I don't know, whatever it is. It'll be back. Don't worry. But in the meantime, we're going to discuss it. And then we're going to have fun doing it. Because you know what the reality is? These are flawed Viagra subscribers, diaper-wearing dimwits, running everything. I know you might like some of them, but come on. And the Rudy Giuliani thing? I never like it. Why, why is he infallible now? I got guys calling, oh, how dare you speak against Rudy Giuliani? Really? I, I, if you're a man, are you not offended at some of the things he did? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Or are we just all want to be gangsters? 312-642-5600. It's news, opinion, insight. It's AM 560, The Answer. Where has the year gone? It seems like the holidays sneak up so fast. As you probably know, most retailers do their shopping in the first quarter of the year. However, Fox Valley Coins is gearing up now for the busiest season of the year. Fox Valley Coins wants to buy now before Christmas. Fox Valley Coins is one of the largest coin dealers in the entire Midwest. And with the current price of precious metals, rare coins, and currency, business has been crazy. They buy and sell all major forms of gold, silver, platinum, and palladium and specialize in rare and collector coins and currency. For larger collections, they'll even make house calls to your home or bank from now through October. Fox Valley Coins is on Route 59, just one block north of I-88 at the Naperville-Warrenville border. Online at foxvalleycoins.com. Sure, they'll buy after Christmas, but they're stocking their shelves now. Take advantage. Fox Valley Coins. Online at foxvalleycoins.com. Buying, selling, and appraisals since 1981. I'm Dan Prof. And I'm Amy Jacobson. And we're here to tell you about our 2019 Food for the Poor campaign. Food for the Poor is a nonprofit, faith based organization that provides food, water, medicine, clothing, and life saving supplies directly to local organizations throughout the Caribbean and Latin America. These are places that have been devastated by poverty, disease, and natural disasters like hurricanes. This year, we're working to help displaced families that have fled from Venezuela to Colombia because of the ongoing crisis in Venezuela after years of corrupt socialist leaders. Nearly 5,000 Venezuelans are fleeing to Colombia each day. This has created a humanitarian crisis. Food for the Poor's partners in Colombia have set up 11 feeding centers that can serve more than 9,000 people each day, but they need your help. For a gift of $300, you can feed a family of four for an entire year. That's just $25 a month. To make that gift, just call 844-862-4673. Again, that's 844-862-4673. Or visit 560 The food. And if you're a small business owner or you make the marketing or advertising decisions for a business, then listen up. Become a Food for the Poor business benefactor. Just make a $2,500 tax-deductible donation to Food for the Poor, and AM560 will give you 40 60-second commercials 
to air here on AM560, The Answer, between 5 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday to Friday at no additional cost to you. Dan, that's the best advertising deal in all of Chicago. Through the generosity of your business, you'll be helping eight families. To take advantage of this deal, just call Anjanette Nakowski at 847-472-8951. That's 847-472-8951. One more time, 847-472-8951. Or visit 560theanswer.com slash food. That's 560theanswer.com slash food. And thanks in advance for your generosity. AM 560, The Answer. I love this radio. I do. I, do, I love it. Is there something wrong with me? I like arguing. I like it. I think life is supposed to be one big discussion. You know what I love, though, about uh, being lucky enough to be born American? I love the whole concept of what America is. I really do. That's really what the argument's about. I love the whole story, how the guys in the Green Dragon Tavern said, listen, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna to get rid of this king, man. Are you nuts? I'm not living under this nonsense. I do. I love it. Born in a tavern, the whole concept of it. And then, they, the, you know, the Declaration of Independence, they list all of the shenanigans. A lot of it's still going on today. So, and I believe that in all the communications, I read it, I enjoyed every minute of it. I love the idea that if you had these principles, it was never about being a Democrat or a Republican or a political. It was about the principles and concept of liberty. I love that. And when we talk about those things, it's the embodiment of your property rights over your life. And I've been called a libertarian and I didn't even join a party. But I don't think you're supposed to join a party. I don't think I'm anything other than an American. And that's what I think everybody should be. But every once in a while, I do get a political party guy who comes on, and I respect him very much. And we have uh, Caleb Schumat. Is that how you say it? That's probably not it. Shoemate. I think it's Shoemate. What is it, Caleb? Shoemat or Shoemate? Caleb Shoemate. Shoemate. I should have went with that in the first place. So anyway, you uh, are kind of an expert when it comes to libertarianism. In fact, you've got a paper you write for. What is it called? The LibertarianRepublic.com, Correct. Yes, sir. And now I went to the show. I go, I go to uh, Florida, and I earn my living there. So I go to the show, and I'm watching a movie, the guy with the Phantom of the Opera, um, where he's fighting to save the president, and there's a preview, and I did not see this movie, but I really want to, and it's the uh, Harriet Be Free or Die movie. Is that the name of the movie? Harriet Tubman It's just story? called Harriet. Oh, it's but, just called Harriet? But, okay. but that... Yeah, it's just called Harriet, but the uh, be free or die is a phrase that she repeats throughout the whole thing. Really? So, yeah. So yeah. she's the original libertarian. Uh, yes, she's very, very libertarian. I don't think you can get more libertarian than the way she's portrayed in this film. And I was actually very surprised because Hollywood tends not to get a story right most of the time. And for the most part, they got this pretty accurate. Really? And she... Uh, um. How long did she did she really operate the Underground Railroad? How long did that go on? Good Lord, I mean, it went probably, I mean, God, I, I need to do some more research on that, but probably, I think about the 1840s, probably up until about the time of the Civil War. Yeah, really, she uh, ran it for over a decade. I had heard that. And now, yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really. So uh, is there one now from Illinois to a free state? 
or must we? No, I'm kidding. I just I want to do a little Illinois humor with you. So <laughs> over overall, when you when you first saw this movie, how different was it from the stories that you had been told or the research you did on your own? I I loved the movie, you know, because I was I was very skeptical because I thought that it was going to be, you know, that instead of shedding the light on if slavery is bad, slavery is evil, I thought they were going to make it into a race thing and, and completely focus the story on, you know, here's this poor, you know, lowly black woman who managed to escape from slavery. But no, Harriet was a bad bitch, to be blunt. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I, 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 I also am, I also am well aware um, when when being free, she actually mounted up and created a little militia, a little army of her own. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah well, actually, at the end, it shows that uh, she she became a spy for the Union Army, and she actually helped conduct a raid, which led to the freedom of over seven hundred slaves. Really? So that, that that's what you're seeing at the end. I mean, they had rifles and everything, and she she carried a pistol. I mean, she was a pistol packing mama. She uh, threatened to shoot people who would compromise her when she would do her um, run back and forth between Maryland and other places in the South to back up north. If if she thought they were going to compromise her or they going were going to turn back. What's, she would say, "Oh no, you're not. If you if you ain't gonna be free, you're gonna die right here." So, what's the total number? Do they have a number of how many people she actually rescued from slavery? It, well, it, it was seventy, around seventy herself personally. That was the people she led from down south to up north, and then the the raid was uh, around seven hundred people. Really, and um, did, did Harriet Tubman? Does she have? Does she have kids? Or her, does she have descendants today? I'm I'm not sure about that. I know she had she had two husbands. One it actually shows in the movie. He ended up leaving her after she escaped. Um, she went and uh, she went back up north, and she she ran back down south to try to save her family, just to find out that her first husband had married another woman because he thought that. She had abandoned him when she had full intention of coming back. I think at the end it said that she adopted a, a little girl with her second husband, but as mm-hmm. far as I know, that's the only uh, descendant she had, as far as I know. So now your paper does more than movie reviews, right? What, is your, what, is your, um, what does your website do? The, the Libertarian Republic focuses on free market economics and uh, libertarian opinions within politics. So we're a good mix. It's actually Austin Peterson. Who ran for uh, who ran for president under the Libertarian ticket in 2016, and he ran for Senate in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his outfit, so oh, I see. I'm right. riding for him. Uh, what's their? Listen, I want to thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. We'll have you back. I want to find out what the pick is for 2020. So thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Uh, thank you for calling the show and uh, participating in my last day for a week. So thank you very much, Caleb. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir, for having me. It's glad to be here. All right, wonderful. Thank you. All right, so we're not going to come back after this, so I'm going to be back, I think, next week. I haven't got the days yet, but the people who uh, called up very angry today will be happy to know you get to take a nice cleansing breath, and then we could do the. you guys could do the whole... Uh, it'll be fun tomorrow and, and Thursday. I'm not sure who's in, but it'll be a lot of fun, and there'll be a lot of rah-rah. <laughs> Sorry. And then I'll come back and aggravate all of you and tell you that it's important to fight for liberty. 
It's important to fight for fundamentals and to reestablish them. And if we don't, we're just losing it slow motion, and I don't want to lose anymore. I like winning, baby. Win!